0: I want to ask you today, have you ever been really curious to see something? Uh, I'm guessing that maybe there's some kids here today or some listening online who are anxious to see what it is that they'll be getting for Christmas. Uh, Maybe there's some adults here that are really overgrown kids and uh, feeling the same way. Um, Maybe there are even some kids who have kind of hinted rather strongly on what you really want and and, uh, you're just hoping that your folks actually got it for you. Uh, or maybe some of you, it's going to be a total surprise uh, what you get. But wouldn't you like to just steal a glance about now? If you just knew where they're hiding it. I, I remember as a as a parent uh, being on the other side of this and, and trying to figure out some good places to hide some presents at least until they get wrapped. And, and sometimes it's a little tougher than others. Uh, for instance, there was one year. I, I guess it would be twelve years ago now. Um, where there was this terrific Black Friday deal on a full-size trampoline. It, it was like half price. And so I braved the early morning Black Friday crowd and scrambled and found one of the last ones in the store, grabbed it and slid it into a side aisle, and then Jean went and got a cart for us so we could haul it out. And uh, we brought it home and, and uh, snuck it into a, the shed in the back, And as far as I know, we pulled off a surprise. Unless one of my kids today tells me that uh, they actually saw it back there in the shed. I don't know. (laughs) I hope I didn't give up any of your hiding places for presents at your place today. But I I wanted to just capture that feeling of anticipation and curiosity uh, about Christmas presents today. As we look into Scripture today, Uh, At the greatest Christmas gift ever given. The gift that our text tells us that the Old Testament prophets predicted and they wanted to know more about, but but they couldn't know it yet. And the gift that the angels of heaven even just longed to peer into, but it was not theirs to fully see. I'm talking about God's gift of salvation for mankind. And I think of the, the third verse of that hymn, Go Tell It on the Mountain, and it says it this way. Down in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation, that blessed Christmas morn. Please look with me at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 as we read about that salvation. and I invite you to stand in reverence to God's word as we read. <clears throat> 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 10. As to this salvation... The prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, keep sober in spirit, set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ." Let's pause and pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today that tells us about this salvation that you offer, the salvation that you revealed through the prophets and the angels that was for us and for all mankind. And Lord, we pray that uh, you'd speak to each of our hearts today, and and, uh, Lord, that each one of us would, would know that salvation and understand it more fully. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. God gave us this amazing gift of salvation from sin and its consequences through Jesus Christ. And as we talked of last week, he had a plan way back even at creation, back in Genesis, with Adam and Eve in the garden, to bring this salvation about. And as to this salvation, then, our text tells us that the prophets prophesied of the grace that would come to you. They were predicting that you would get something really great that you didn't deserve at all, because, you see, that's what grace is. It's getting good things you don't deserve, And the Old Testament prophets were looking ahead and under inspiration then of the Holy Spirit, they were predicting details concerning the Savior that would be sent for you someday. They didn't just make up stories to be broadcast as news in their day. No, Peter says that they were making careful search and inquiry to get the information all straight and accurate as to what was to come. And, and uh, back, or in Second Peter chapter 2, it tells us about that, that no prophecy of Scripture was ever um, a, a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so, yes, the things that these Old Testament prophets predicted, which are recorded then in our Bibles, were words from God Almighty about God's grace that would come for you and for me. And what these Old Testament prophets recorded is all accurate. However, they themselves would like to have known more about it. They would like to have understood it better. But some things were not theirs to know yet. They were were looking far down the pages of the future, and Peter says that they were seeking to know the person and the time that the Spirit of Jesus speaking through them was talking about. I I like Edward Clowney's uh, commentary on this here. He says, and I quote, Their prophecies excited their own hopes. They yearned for fuller and clearer revelation. They sought to interpret the oracles that they received, inquiring into the time when God's great salvation would come. But the full meaning of their prophecies would not appear until Christ appeared. As to this salvation, the Spirit of Christ predicted through them some things, And as the Old Testament prophets spoke, they were speaking then words from Almighty God, from the Holy Trinity. And here, even in, in 1 Peter, uh, we see then all three of the parts of the Trinity mentioned. We see God the Father, we see Jesus Christ the Son, and also the Holy Spirit. In verse 11, he's referred to as the Spirit of Christ. And so when the Old Testament prophets spoke, then the Spirit of Jesus Christ was speaking through them and predicting the details of his own coming to earth someday. But the Old Testament prophets weren't allowed to know yet the details of who the Savior would be or when he would come. They did, however, predict that this salvation would, would involve some things, and this special servant of God would be suffering and then would be later be glorified. Yeah, The whole Old Testament prophets predicted those details. And it's fascinating when you look at some of that. Um, how they predicted, for instance, Christ's suffering, and I think the passage that sums that up, or I should say is the most complete describing that is in Isaiah 53, and I'm going to just read from that where it talks about Jesus then, the Savior that was to come, and it says, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, like one from whom men hide their face. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, our, our sorrows he carried, yet... We ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Isaiah there described the substitutionary death of the one who would come to be our Savior, crucified for our sins. And the Spirit of Christ was predicting these details through Isaiah the prophet, not only Did the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, though, predict Christ's sufferings, but they also predicted the glories that would follow. And that's how Jesus would then be exalted because of his obedience to the Father. In Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul describes how that came about. And there he says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And for this reason, then, God highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of jesus every knee would bow and every tongue confess that jesus christ is the lord to the glory of god the father the old testament prophets were predicting the sufferings of christ and also the glory that he would deserve then in accomplishing salvation for us and these old testament prophets wanted to know more about the person and time when he'd come on the scene but that wasn't theirs to know but what was theirs to know? There's something else in this text here that I find fascinating. It tells us that the prophets had, had it revealed to them that they weren't serving themselves. The things that they were speaking were for future generations, not just for Israel in their time, but rather good news for the whole world for many generations to come, including even for you and I today. These Old Testament prophets were not serving themselves themselves. They were serving you and I. And I don't know if I'd ever really thought about it in that way before, but, but this is true. And, and I guess it reminds me a little bit of something I think of from my own family heritage. I had ancestors that left Norway to come to America in the 1880s. And, and uh, they made the decision then to leave everything that was familiar there and, and to get on a ship and to endure a long, difficult voyage and then to endure hardships of living, for instance, in a little claim shanty on the prairie in North Dakota before the days of electricity or indoor plumbing, uh, living off the land, enduring blizzards that left them isolated for weeks, um, before there were even towns in the area or real roads, no snow plows to dig them out and so on, and yet they persevered in that, and they started churches out there in the countryside and gathered their families together regularly, worship with fellow believers and they passed on the christian faith and they didn't know it then but they were doing it for me and for my siblings and my kids and my grandkids three generations that have come and gone since them that they never even met but we have reaped the benefits of what they went through both physical and spiritual benefits Well, the Old Testament prophets passed on the word of God that was given to them about a Savior to come. And they didn't know who he was or when he would come, but God did give them a little glimpse of the value of what they were passing on. And the Spirit of God revealed to them that this word was much bigger than just for themselves, but the Savior that they predicted would come would be a gift for many, many generations to come, including even you and I today. You're outlining the bullet and then tracks that long run-on sentence there in verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. In what things? In these things announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And then it says this fascinating statement about this gospel of salvation. It says, things into which angels long to look. Angels long to look into these things. We, we mentioned earlier how the Old Testament prophets um, were curious, trying to figure out who the Savior they spoke of was and when he'd come. Well, the picture that Peter gives us here in verse 12 is fascinating. It's of angels stretching forward to peek at or peer into and catch a glimpse of something related to the salvation as well. And again, Clowney's uh, commentary on this uh, says something I quote here. He says, the verb Peter uses describes the action of straining to see, angels peering, as it were, over the battlements of heaven to behold what God has done in Jesus Christ. The petty dreams of earth's little tyrants shrivel before the majesty of the kingdom of God, ministered by prophets and apostles, but now realized for those who know Jesus Christ. End quote. So Why? Why would angels be so curious about this salvation? I think perhaps it is this. It is such a generous and a joyous plan. A free gift for all humans who will receive it. No limits on how many can make use of it. No tough requirements to earn it. Nobody automatically excluded, but salvation available for all. The hymn writer captures some of that wonder in the last verse of that hymn at Calvary. It goes like this. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. The angels of heaven were called into service to, to help bring this plan of salvation into reality. And they too were only able to grasp part of its awesomeness. But they would be assigned to witness to it, and then they gradually would see it unfold. And so think with me just of, of some glimpses we have in the scriptures that give us some of the involvement of, God's, uh, of, the, of the angels in God's plan of salvation and, and also some of the joy that is expressed regarding it already has been read from Luke chapter 2. And and the angel, what did he say to the shepherds? He said, Behold, I bring you good news of what? Of great joy, which shall be for all people. For you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And after that, what followed? Well, this angel announcement then was, was followed by a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. With whom he is pleased. And we see that great joy expressed, for instance, in Matthew chapter 2, when the wise men came to worship the Christ child, and they saw the star directing them to the baby, and it says that they rejoiced with what? Exceedingly great joy. I think of in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells a parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, and then he explains how there is joy where? In the presence of the angels in heaven over one sinner that repents, I love that picture. The angels of heaven do the Lord's bidding. they serve God for the sake of mankind. They are part of bringing about God's salvation plan through His Son, and they're part of sharing that message with the world. And we see that even as we look at, as the salvation plan unfolds and culminates there in Jesus. Uh, time on the cross and so on. For instance, in Luke chapter 22, it tells us when Jesus was agonizing in prayer there in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was arrested and tried and crucified, that an angel comes from heaven and, and ministers to him and strengthens him. Or we have in Matthew 28, after Jesus died and he was buried, and then three days later he rose from the dead, tells us an angel descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone, sat on it and told the women he's risen just as he said all of human history all of the span of what's recorded in our Bibles points to this salvation that God brought about in Christ and here in this text we have then the Old Testament prophets the Holy Spirit of God Jesus Christ himself and even the angels of heaven all concerned with our salvation yours and mine God's plan of salvation has been accomplished and it's available for all who will believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. And many of us are already experiencing that salvation in part, even today, in that we can now know forgiveness of our sins and a restored relationship with our Creator here and now. But one day, one day that salvation will be fully revealed to us when Jesus Christ returns to the earth in power and glory Scripture tells us the tombs will be opened, the bodies that have been laid to rest over the centuries will be resurrected, including those of our ancestors and the Old Testament prophets. And Christ's return will then usher in a day of judgment for all who rejected him in this life, but also a day of tremendous rejoicing and eternal rewards for all who believe in him. If you look back in in 1 Peter, just earlier in chapter 1, it, it, it tells us this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain what? An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. And so now here, back in, in chapter 2, verse 13, Peter reminds us. He reminds us to do, because of this salvation that is offered to us, that will be complete when Christ returns, he says, do these three things while you're waiting. Gird your minds for action, That is, deliberately then preparing our minds to face the trials that are going to come in this life, not being surprised by them because they're going to come along. They're even told or predicted they'll come. And then he says, and keep sober in spirit. And being sober is the opposite of being drunk and out of control. So we Christians are to live our lives of self-control with a clear head in the midst of the difficulties around us so we can be a witness to those that are anxious and fearful and who yet don't know the Savior. And then thirdly, fix your hope, he says, completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's at his return. You catch that? Not fix your hope partly, or a little bit of your hope on Christ's return, but completely on this. Now why is that? Well, it's because everything else we fix our hope on will disappoint us. When we fix our hope on earthly possessions, they wear out, they get smashed up, they rust, they rot, they decay. When we fix our hopes on our money and our retirement savings someday, the economy tanks, and it's worth half what it was last year. When we fix our hopes on the government, it it forgets its promises and raises our taxes and takes away our freedoms. When we fix our hope on physical health, we, we get old before we know it. Or some part of our body deteriorates and leaves us looking to the medical profession to fix some things with drugs that then have side effects, and on it goes. We fix our hopes in other people, and sooner or later, they're going to let us down. Disappointments abound in this life. But one day, for the believer in Jesus Christ, our troubles will be over. I'll be at home with the Lord and never disappointed again. Now we know in part, but one day we will know it in full. Some of our loved ones are already experiencing being in the presence of the Lord, in spirit at least. But one day, we all who believe in Jesus Christ will know this salvation in full. It's be- being prepared for us, even now. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you have your reservations made already. You know, I'm anticipating a trip sometime this winter, down south for a few days. I have plans made, um, but there are some things that can come along and change that. I know that. But it is not so with the full salvation that we have in Christ. We, we're already tasting it in part, and the rest is yet to come. And we fix our eternal hope then completely on the grace that will be brought to us when Christ returns. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for this reminder today of the awesomeness of, of this salvation plan that the prophets revealed in part and longed to know more about. But in your time, in your place, you brought it about when Jesus Christ came to this earth and the incarnation came to be our Savior. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you for the angels that uh, you employed to bring that message and, and to help bring that salvation plan about. And it's, it's curious to us how, how they um, just long to know more about that too and how they have watched in anticipation and, and, and how they rejoice in heaven even when, when one sinner repents and turns to Jesus. And, and Lord, we pray that for each one of us here today, you would remind us of what we have in Christ already and Lord that, and I, I pray that each one here would know that as they're humble and confess their sins they are forgiven in Jesus Christ they have full forgiveness of all their sins and a restored relationship with you Lord we also just thank you though that one day um, that, that salvation will be complete and we have those that have gone on before us, Lord, already in your presence, someday we anticipate being together around your throne and worshiping you there. Lord, help us to keep our sights on that when we go through the trials of this life and to fix our hope completely on a relationship with you now and for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.